Welcome to Locked On Warriors. On today's show, I'll be joined by Connell Letourneau to talk about our takeaways from the Warriors preseason so far, when we expect Klay Thompson to make his highly anticipated return, and why Jordan Poole has more than earned the starting shooting guard spot. That's all coming up next. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a Monday of Locked On Warriors, the only podcast bringing you the latest on the Warriors every day, Monday through Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg. Uh, however you may be listening, YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app, thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. My guest today is San Francisco Chronicle writer Connor Letourneau. Connor, it's been a minute since you've been on the show. We used to have La Tuesday every week, every Tuesday, if, if people can figure that out for themselves. And uh, you've been, you know kind of on vacation before the season started. I was on vacation. I was, I was, I went AWOL for two weeks for nobody knew where I went uh, before the season. And then the season started. We haven't really been able to connect. You've been super busy. I've been super busy. Um, catch us up. What's going on, man? How do you, what, yeah. how, how was the preseason for you so far? Um, you did write a story about Matthew Kirk, Steve Kerr's son who works on Ted Lasso. Uh, we will talk about that later on. We will get to the Tuesday trivia later on, but catch us up. What's going on, man? Yeah, things are good, man. You know how it is when you're like, just for uh, the edification of our audience, you know, if you ever wonder why I'll just disappear every off season for a huge chunk of time, it's because, you know, we work seven day weeks in season. And so we get the equivalent of comp time in the off season. So I take like a big five or six week sojourn. And so that was really enjoyable. I uh, felt really rejuvenated, refreshed. I was excited to hit the ground running when I got back. Um, I feel like I've been doing that. Um, you know, anyone who's been paying attention to what I've been doing has probably noticed that I've been doing a lot of non-warrior stuff. So I've been kind of expanding my scope a bit and doing um, bigger enterprise on all warrior on all Bay Area sports topics. I've written about minor league soccer, minor league baseball, writing about the San Jose uh, Sharks, G League Ignite. Um, you know, going to do 49ers and Giants and A's and all that good stuff. So. But really, any featurey, enterprisey thing of note in the Bay Area, I'll be sinking my teeth into. Um, but the five or six uh, week trip that you take every year is also when you just grow out the beard, right? That's your time where you're just like, I'm not shaving. Well, beard's like been a pretty long for a while now, so you know, I've been trying to maintain it. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. Obviously, I'm still doing a good amount of Warriors. Um, you know, Rusty Simmons has been doing a lot of the day to day stuff, but I've been able to swoop in and do. Um, do some bigger, bigger pieces, uh, bigger dailies and things of that nature. Um, and those are the things uh, I want to talk about too, but um, because you got a lot of interesting stuff there and there is kind of an evolving aspect to your role going forward that we want to get to. We've got some updates on both of us, right? Cause you know, both of us are a little bit um, in evolving roles in our own uh, personal situation. So we'll get to all of that later on. But um, as we're sitting here, uh, the Warriors are three and oh, in the preseason, they won the first game in Portland, then they beat Denver, and then they beat the Lakers, both at home. Um, what was your main takeaway so far through the first half uh, plus of the preseason? This team is potentially further along than I thought. Um, I, I know I feel like I was a little down on their offseason. Um, I, I said that I didn't think they were necessarily going to be legitimate contenders I didn't feel like they did enough I'm still not ready to say that they are legitimate contenders because you it's always hard to glean a lot from the preseason but what we have seen from the preseason has been super encouraging um their ball movement uh, their ability to space the floor 
they just looked already be in really good sync with each other. Um, and the couple of additions that they made in the off season, though they might not have seemed, um, they might not have seemed, you know, big at the time I've been helpful. Um, Nemanja Belicia, Otto Porter Jr. I think just the ability to knock down threes and um, space the floor has been super uh, beneficial. And, um, you know, I, I think that they're going to be one of the better teams in the West. Like I said, I'm not ready to call them title contenders, but I think they're they're much further along than I thought. Um, Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Belicia, I've been really, really impressive, no doubt about it. And you could tell going into this season how important their presence, we, we knew how important they were going to be on this roster, right? Because those were kind of the veteran additions, Andre Iguodala as well. But those are really like your night-to-night rotation guys. We don't really know what Iguodala's night-to-night role is going to be, right? There's going to be some nights where he's playing a big role. Some nights probably he's just a, going to be a DNPCD. I think that's kind of what we're looking at with Iggy. But, um, you know, Otto Porter and Bielitsa, their presence is so important because it it keeps expectations low for guys like Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman even, where if Bielitsa is your backup five, you don't really need to expect that much from Wiseman the way you did from him as a rookie. Uh, if Otto Porter is giving you quality minutes, you don't need Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga to make an impact every night because he's doing that. Uh, they've been awesome. Like Otto Porter Jr., I love the new nickname for him, Otto Corner Jr. I think it's a, that's a fantastic nickname. I don't love know that. if he had that in Washington and Chicago, but I just discovered it now that he's in Golden State. And then the, the Bielitsa, he had a pass the other day to Steph Curry. Steph was cutting. It was against the Lakers. Steph cutting right to the basket. Bielitsa just hitting him with this pocket pass on this impossible angle. And I know that we look at Bielitsa's floor spacing and all that stuff over his career, his three-point percentage and all that. But his passing numbers have been really good, right? His average assists per game have been really good for a player at his position throughout his career. And I think that's going to be another big thing for him. But I, I'm with you. I've been really impressed with how they look. Again, tentative, right? Like, these guys are healthy now. We knew that they were good when they were healthy. We just didn't know if they could stay healthy. That was the whole thing with Otto Porter and Nemanja Bielitsa. So if they could stay healthy, obviously that's a that's a big help for them. But they're healthy now. The Warriors in general are playing really well. There is an identity to this team. Steve Kerr came out and said, hey, we're chasing wins, which was a great comment by him. Uh, and you could just tell there's a confidence. There's an identity. I, think, I wasn't sure if they were going to – I thought they would get off to a slow start because they're still trying to work – Clay Thompson back, James Wiseman back. You know, we'll see when they when they eventually return. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. But um, I actually think they're going to get off to a, a fast start this season because they're playing with that level of identity, that level of confidence. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it looked like they're um like in the middle of the season right now. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm not sure we saw this level of cohesion from this team at all last season. Yeah. Um. So it's been incredibly encouraging, and and I think. You know, we talked about it on, I think, my podcast right after free agency, but um, I think people would have looked at their offseason a lot differently if Otto Porter Jr. had signed the mid-level, which a lot of people thought he was a mid-level caliber addition, um, but he signed at the minimum, and um, I think there were a lot, there was a lot of hand-wringing and frustration over the fact that they left that mid-level on the table, um, but, you know, based off what we've seen so far, like, he looks healthy. He looks confident. He looks like he's having fun out there. I did a story yesterday just, just talking about his, his health issues and why he's feeling so good right now. Um, and he feels like he's figured out a lot of the things that were plaguing him health-wise. There were a lot of nagging issues that were interrelated that Rick Celebrini's helped him a lot with. 
And so, um, and he's, he said that he's having the most fun he's ever had in his career. And um, you see that from how he's playing right now. And you're, you're realizing that, you know, he's not just a helpful addition. He's a guy who, you know, could be like a go-to option for them, you know, over someone like Andrew Wiggins when, when, you know, uh, Clay's not out there and, uh, you know, Clay's yet to come back and Andrew Wiggins isn't on the, or sorry, um, Steph Curry isn't on the floor. You know, he can be that like helpful complimentary guy to, uh, to balance out someone like Wiggins. So um, keep in mind, this is someone that earlier in his career with Washington signed a max level deal because he was an essential complimentary guy. Like he yeah. did all the little things to help a team win, was good defensively, was a great shooter, the 40% three-pointer throughout his career. And, uh, you know, I think he has a chance to be one of this team's best players yeah. um, if he stays healthy, which, you know, he feels like he can. I actually think the best podcast that has been recorded so far during the Warriors preseason has been when it's not necessarily a podcast, but uh, when Bob Myers sat down with Bob Fitzgerald during the broadcast, I think of the Denver game. Um, and Bob Myers, I thought was, I really appreciate how much Bob Myers will talk to the media. Um, he's got like his sec, he's got like his pockets of the season where he'll, he'll, he'll do an availability and he's very generous with his time, but he's, he's, a, there's an art to saying nothing and he's very good at that art. Um, but with, Fitzgerald during the during the broadcast, I actually thought he was very honest and transparent and kind of outlined everything that was key to the Warriors this season. Basically how Jordan Poole's development is going to be so important. I do want to ask you about Jordan Poole a little bit later. Um, how Bielitsa and Otto Porter, they knew what they were getting when they were healthy, and he was very impressed. And I think it's very easy for us to get kind of caught into what it looks like when they're healthy and on the court. And, oh, my gosh, this is clicking into place. This is working. But there is also an understanding from this front office saying, like, they're healthy now, but they should be healthy now. Like the season just started. What happens when the wear and tear comes back? What happens when a nagging injury might have a domino effect on Otto Porter's body and something like that? Like that is still a very real thing that they're concerned about. And then obviously what Clay Thompson looks like when he comes back. And then what I thought he pointed out that was really interesting is that Draymond Green taking threes is going to open up their entire offense. There's still, I think after the off season, well, you and I said like a lot of things, if all the things go right, then this has been a home run off season for this organization. But that's a lot of things that have to go right. And there's very few things that can go wrong for the Warriors to get to where they want to go, right? There's just not a lot of leeway right now. Through three preseason games, everything has gone right. Everything has gone right. But that's also understanding that kind of off to the side, arms distance away, is Clay Thompson coming back. We don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. And that's going to be a whole other story. There is not any folding in James Wiseman right now, right? They were able to blow out Portland, but I didn't think any of the rookies looked particularly good against Portland. They looked better in other uh, other since during the preseason, but they're not asking that much from the rookies right now because everybody's healthy. That's in front of them on the depth chart. So right now, everything is going right. Can everything go, but this is a very small sample. Can everything go right for the larger sample? I'm not going to ask you that question because nobody knows, but I do think that the front office understands that. That that said, that's what's going to make the the start of this season so important, right? If, if if they do get off to a fast start the way that I said that they would, that'll at least maybe give them a cushion in the West. And then, you know, Clay Thompson comes back. You start to work James Wiseman back in when he comes back from the MCL thing, all that. And then maybe, yeah, maybe you're looking at a team that can make a run for like a legit playoff seed, not a playing tournament, but in like a legit top six seed in the West. And then once you're there and Clay's back and worked in, who knows what can happen? I, 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 I still don't know how I feel about this team in the regular season, as far as what seed they can get. Cause there's a, again, a lot of big ifs that need to work out, but if they're healthy by the time the playoffs roll around, 
I think their top seven is as good as anybody. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. And, um, you know, I think the big, the big thing about this team for a long time has been, can you get eight players that you feel really confident playing playoff minutes? Right. And I'm looking at them in these preseason games and I'm, I see eight players I feel confident in. Um, you know, Jordan Poole is, is, has taken his game to another level, um, which has been probably the biggest storyline in preseason. Um, I, don't, I don't, at least offensively, I feel comfortable starting him at the two yeah. while Clay's out. Um, and then, you know, Otto Porter Jr. looks healthy. Like we said, Bialicia is uh, somewhat of a pleasant surprise. And then, you know, Juan Descano Anderson's picked up where he left off. And, you know, all those things combine to tell you that, you know, this rotation's solid. Mm-hmm. It's solid. Um, and, uh, you know, having that question answered with Wiggins, knowing that he's going to be available for every game this season, albeit if he stays healthy, which he has a history of doing, um, is you can't understate how big that was. Because this time last week, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be missing 41 games or not because of the vaccination issue. So now that that has been answered in a positive sense, you know, you got to be feeling really good if you're a Warriors fan. Uh, I want to ask you your prediction of when Clay Thompson could come back and uh, just some of the things that are involved in that uh, here in a minute. But first, let's talk about our friends over at Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work like I have so many times in fantasy basketball, also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive rating, pace, whatever. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work for you. Whatever uh, you prefer, whether it's redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code, people. And if you love fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You're not going to be disappointed. Today's episode is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. So that means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Back here uh, with Connor Letourneau on Locked On Warriors. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. For your second listen, make sure to check out a fresh new episode of Locked On NBA covering the biggest storylines across the league every day, Monday through Friday. Um, all right. So we were talking about Clay Thompson. And I do think that ultimately this team's ceiling obviously comes down to a lot of things, but really it, it kind of boils down to clay. And there is actually a few teams in the league that are like that, right? Like the Clippers, what does Kawhi look like? Can he stay healthy? Uh, ditto for Denver and Jamal Murray. I think you look at a team like the Lakers 
uh, with 11 new players, by the way. You talk about turnover and continuity. The Warriors, I know they got a lot of new guys, but they look like we just talked about. Like, they're going to start off rolling. I don't. I think the Lakers are going to start off not rolling, whatever the opposite of rolling is, stalling, staying put, uh, because they just don't look like they have their chemistry together. But I think ultimately their thing comes down to the health of their stars, but namely Anthony Davis. And can he basically be the best player on that team for the balance of the regular season? Warriors are the same way. They're right. They're in the same boat. Clay, ultimately, what their success comes down to is can Clay Thompson be ninety percent of what he was before the two injuries? That's a really big if. We talked about a bunch of big ifs so far, Connor. That's the biggest if of all ifs that ever existed. Uh, at ninety percent of Clay Thompson, twenty nineteen Clay Thompson, the Warriors are title contenders. I'll say it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, assuming that everybody else is healthy too. Um, anything less than that, I. I have my doubts. I don't know that they, I don't think they even get out of the first round if it's anything less than that. Um, where are you on Clay Thompson? How important he is? Oh, you mean he's so important. Um, I, I still believe that he's the second most important player on the roster. I think that was underscored in his absence. Um, he's the glue, um, both offensively and defensively. He's the, he's like the unsung guy who makes everything fall into place. Um, and uh, what makes him so amazing is that he's able to make a huge impact without needing the ball in his hands. You know, he, he scored, what, 60 points in that game against Indiana a few years back and held the ball for something like something crazy low, like less than two minutes and only dribbled eight times. I mean, that really underscored and spoke to how amazing he is because, you know, he's able to make a huge impact without commanding a lot of uh, – the ball and so um i think that i think what we're what we've learned so far about his timeline is somewhat i don't want to say concerning but disappointing in that you know they're talking now about january um you know there was a point where they were talking about maybe the season opener then they were talking about november and then they were talking about december and now they're talking about january and so you're looking at him m- missing probably about half the season uh, when he does come back you know he's probably going to need you know, a minute's restriction for a while. He's going to need to ease back into things. So you're looking at maybe him not being fully full bore going his normal 30 minute workload until maybe March, you know, late February, March, potentially, maybe even later, you know? Um, so you got to look at not having a full clay for most of the season. Um, I think having him at all will be a huge benefit, a coup for this team, but um, that's how you you got to look at it. And so um, it's going to be a process. Um, I, I do expect him to get close to his pre-injury form just because of the type of player he is. He's not a player who relies a lot on his athleticism and the Achilles tends to hurt your explosiveness, but this isn't a guy who dunks the ball a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a guy who relies on that. And so, you know, could it, could it impact him defensively, his ability to change directions and, and that kind of thing? Maybe a little bit. Uh, but at least offensively, I don't expect it to have a huge impact. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's so hard to predict, you know, anything though, because no one has in the history of the NBA has ever dealt with what he's dealing with. No one has ever missed two, had two severe serious injuries like this back to back with no games in between. That has never happened ever. And so Uh, it's it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. Anybody that thinks they know what's going on is lying, right? Um, Clay Thompson doesn't know what's going on. It's not for a lack of transparency. Just nobody knows. Like you said, it's never happened like this before. 
Um, and Clay Thompson is such a unique player, like you were talking about, that it's never happened like this to a player like Clay Thompson. So um, I don't, I don't know what to expect. What I do know is that I never bought the December stuff. Like I'm this leak to ESPN after the schedule came out about, oh, we're helpful that he'll be there on Christmas, like the Christmas Day game in Phoenix. I'm like, where did that come from? I never heard December. I had never heard Christmas. Like the entire time I was here in like 2022 and all of a sudden the schedule comes out and like, well, maybe you can come out on Christmas. Why? Because they have the Christmas showcase game and they want to show off Clay Thompson. That's the only reason why that has nothing to do with his medicals. That has nothing to do with his Achilles. That has nothing to do with his ACL. That has nothing to do with anything. Right. And so, you know, ESPN came out with that report and immediately I just was like, this is trash. Like this is not going to happen and it shouldn't happen. I understand that we all want to see Clay Thompson play, but every, there's not a person on this planet that does not enjoy watching Clay Thompson play, except for maybe Indiana Pacers fans. But uh, we all want to see Clay Thompson back. We all do. But the worst thing you could do is rush him back because everybody wants to see Clay Thompson play because Clay is just champing at the bit, ready to, to get back on the court there, right? It's that's the worst. Like, look, he's been out for two years. It's been a really long time. But in the grand scheme of things, what's the difference between a month and and getting him out there late January when he's when he's healthy and ready to go versus trying to rush him back towards the end of December? Like, just deal with it. Make sure that he's healthy. That should be the number one priority. Not getting him back soon, getting him back as healthy as possible. So it is ready for the playoffs, right? Because that's what we're talking about with the ceiling. So he needs to be at his best then, not when he gets back. He just needs to be healthy enough to work his way back into that kind of playing shape. I have January 18th circled. That's the day that I have circled. Um, that's just a guess. I, like I said, nobody knows anything, and I'm not pretending to know anything. My guess is January 18th because that's the first game. It's a game at Chase Center against the Pistons, and it starts a seven-game homestand. Um, what we do know is that they're going to bring him back at home. So, yeah, you could bring him back January 3rd at home versus Miami, but then the Warriors go right back on the road at Dallas and, and at New Orleans. I don't know that you want Clay Thompson traveling right away like that um, with kind of, uh, what is that, three games and four nights or whatever it is. That's tough. That's a tough workload for Clay Thompson coming back. Then they come back against Cleveland on January 9th, and then they go right back on the road for a four-game road trip. I think what you'll see is maybe during that four-game road trip from January 11th to January 16th, we've seen the Warriors use the G League, right, to rehab Steph Curry when he came back from that hand injury. Maybe Clay spends some time while the team is on the road, spend some time in Santa Cruz. Everybody has to drive down to Santa Cruz and do the big Clay Thompson's in Santa Cruz story. And then uh, come January 18th, the first game of that is it, is it one, two, three, four, five, six? Yeah, seven-game homestand. You got him back for Detroit. By the way, that seven-game homestand, last game of that homestand, at home versus Brooklyn, primetime on ABC. Clay Thompson will have seven, six games before that to work his way back into playing shape and be there for that primetime game. I'm telling you, that's what I have circled. Again, I know nothing. It's just a guess. It's an educated guess, but it is a guess. Um, and to me, it makes the most sense. And that, that should give him, you know, 12-plus months of time to come back rehab slowly in Santa Cruz and then be ready to go for some really important basketball. Yeah, no, I, I think that's as good of a guess as I've, I've heard. Um, we know it's going to be chase center. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be early January. I think you're more like mid to late January could even be later. I mean, you always got to be realistic about this sort of thing. He has not played a game in 28 months. Um, that last month yet. is going to be really important. Like when he's really starting to get back into scrimmages and contact stuff like that last couple weeks, that last month is going to be so that's going to ultimately determine when he comes back. Right. None of this stuff right now, right. he's just working to get back on the court in regular scrimmages. 
We're not I mean, talking he hasn't about games even right been now. cleared for full contact. And once right. you get cleared for f- full contact, you're probably going to need at least a month of just like getting a rhythm with the guys and getting your conditioning where it needs to be. Give me. And this is a guy who really relies on his conditioning. I mean, he runs as much as any player in the league. Give me 30 to 60 seconds on how impressed you are with Jordan Poole. Very impressed. Um, incredibly impressed. I, I keep thinking about his rookie season when he was arguably the worst player in the NBA. He was the worst rotation player in the NBA. Um, he was awful. He looked like he didn't belong on the court. Um, looked like a complete bust of a pick. I was very down on him. In retrospect, I was probably a little too harsh. Um, obviously, he was 20 years old at the time. Um, wasn't even a super featured guy at Michigan and then was thrust into this major rotation role or significant rotation role on a losing team as a rookie. It was a tough situation to be in. But the thing that people have always talked about with Jordan Poole is how much he works. And you hear so much about that with so many guys. But I have, I'm not sure. I've covered the Warriors for five years. I'm not sure I've heard more uh, work ethic talk about someone than I have about Jordan Poole. And they've been predicting great things for him for a while now. And, you know, as the beat writer, I'm constantly, okay, when's, when's it coming? When's it coming? And then finally he has that mini breakthrough toward the end of last season. And then it looks like he's just built off that. He yeah. looks confident. He looks like he's got the swagger. He believes in himself. Um, and that, with a young guy who has ability, that's half the battle. And uh, so, you know, my projection for him continues to go up. You know, I, I think he has has a chance to be a really, you know, high level scorer in this league. Um, I, I look at him almost kind of like as a Jamal Crawford type, you know, or a, maybe a Lou Williams type. Mm-hmm. Um, when Clay Thompson comes back and he, he, he can be like a go to option on that bench, mm-hmm. which is something they've really needed and something I think they were hoping to get this off season and they weren't able to, but Hey, if, if Jordan Poole can be that, then even better because he's young and he's already an in-house guy. Right. So knows the system and everything like that. It's a huge um, development for the team, both in the short and long term. It's a major development. I was skeptical of starting Jordan Poole at shooting guard, not because of anything against Jordan Poole. I just thought there was some value into letting him just own the six man role from day one. And then when clay comes back, he doesn't have to make any adjustments. You don't have to make any lineup or rotation changes when you just plug in clay Thompson and maybe just start Damian Lee as a fill in veteran who, you know what you're going to expect, but you know, Damian Lee's playing, you know, kind of bench minutes and Jordan Poole's really playing starters minutes, but you keep the rotation intact and there's an integrity there that I think matters, but I'll say this too. You mentioned, yeah, you hear work. Oh, this guy works so hard. You hear those cliches thrown around all the time. I don't care when you say it, let me, let me like prove it. And to me, when Steve Kerr is giving him when he, when Steve Kerr is giving Jordan Poole that starting job, and he's like, "Hey, it's yours to lose," and then Jordan Poole goes out there and grabs it, and then a game or two games into the preseason, Steve Kerr says, "Like, yeah, he's earned it." You know, it's not just the preseason games; it's all the work that he's put in. It's all the stuff behind the scenes. It's all the, everything we were seeing in scrimmages and practice, all that stuff. That that shows to me, like, okay, you've earned it now. You're proving it. Your coaches are giving you that responsibility. I'm going to make a football comparison right now because I've been watching a lot of Miami Dolphins games, unfortunately over the last 20 years of my life. Um, and they come out every, oh yeah, this is the, the best quarterback we've had since Dan Marino. And this guy, this rookie's really got it. And yeah, Tua's really got it. Well, they don't let Tua throw more than five yards down the field, right? They're letting Jordan Poole throw down the field in so many words, right? They're letting, they're giving Jordan Poole rope. They're letting him go out there and do stuff. 
Um, and that shows to me the confidence that he's earned from that coaching staff and that the coaching staff has in him. So he's going to be the starting at, at shooting guard. He's more than earned it at this point. The other thing, too, and I haven't made this point on the podcast yet, defensively, I'm, I've got concerns from a size perspective. He's just He doesn't project as a high-level high defender just because of his body, of his frame. He's just not going to be one. Um, one thing I have noticed is he's going after a lot of steals and stuff. He's been out of position a couple of uh, times because of that. But you could tell they're saying, like, look, that's how you're going to make your impact. Just be, pick your spots, right? you got to be in the right you got to be in the right place. But when you have an opportunity to create a turnover, that's how you're going to be a value add for us on that end, not because you're necessarily going to, you know, hold your own in the post or something like that. I just found that interesting kind of rewatching some film on those first three preseason games. All right, Connor, you had a great story about Steve Kerr's son who's working on the staff of Ted Lasso, which um, I'm no, we're going to no spoiler alerts. Don't worry. No spoiler alerts coming up about season two. But uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, and then we'll get to the Tuesday trivia uh, coming up after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has a ton of delicious flavors? There's something for everybody, and when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and German Chocolate. Connor, which one of those do you want to try? Well, I like German Chocolate. Yeah, that's a good one. German Chocolate Cake's like my favorite kind of cake, so... Your favorite built bar. Uh, my favorite flavor is the fruit ones that are covered in chocolate, like orange, strawberry, raspberry. You can't go wrong with those. Um, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you're gonna get two each of nine flavors, so you can pick your favorite. Try German chocolate, which is the one that Connor would try. Try the fruit ones, those are the ones I would try. Uh, not only are built bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. Check out these macros: 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED1515 and you'll get 15% off on your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Back here with Locked on Warriors. I'm here with Connor Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle. Connor, you wrote a really good story. You were talking earlier about how you're, you know, you've taken an opportunity here in the preseason stuff to tell some, you know, other types of non-game stories, things like more enterprise kind of things. Um, obviously you're doing a lot of stuff off warriors as well, but you did, you did write a banger. I thought on the Matthew Kerr thing, because Steve Kerr during media day, I think it was, uh, talked about how his son, Matthew is working on the staff of Ted Lasso as an assistant. Um, and I knew as soon as I heard that, I knew that in your head, you were like, all right, mental note, I'm writing a story on that. Um, it's exactly up your alley. That's the kind of story I expect from you. And lo and behold, we even talk about this. And you just, you tweeted it. And I was like, there it is. Finally clicked it immediately, read it. Uh, what, what can you tell me about Matthew Kerr and what he's doing on Ted Lasso? Because that's just, it's a great show. If people haven't checked it out. Yeah. He was a writing assistant for season two, um, which is kind of an entry level job. He just graduated film school, uh, you know, during the pandemic from USC. Um, so it was kind of his first job at a college and he was um, a writing assistant, which basically you assist the writers. So he, he took a lot of notes on the meetings and would offer, his insight and perspective on storylines and jokes and things like that. Um, and then uh, he just worked on season two. Now he's actually uh, working on Clone High. Do you remember Clone High from the early 2000s? No. That cartoon? It was no. kind of like a cult classic. I think it only had one season in the early 2000s um, on Cartoon Network, I believe. But it's coming back on HBO Max. And he's working on that now. Um, but, um, you know, the story that I wrote was obviously the news angle was 
Steve Kerr got a random mention in season two and everyone was like, where did that come from? Yeah. So I told the inside story of that, but it was really more of a, a way to get into Matthew's story because, you know, everyone knows that Steve Kerr's two oldest children, uh, Maddie and Nick were athletes. Nick played college basketball at San Diego and Cal. Uh, Maddie was a volleyball star at Cal. Nick is now on the staff for the Warriors. Uh, but we don't know a lot about Matthew, his youngest son. And Matthew is not even a sports fan at all, like <laughs> completely averse to sports, you know, almost makes a point to know nothing about basketball, even though he's been around the NBA his entire life, um, you know, would go to his dad's games and write screenplays and ideas for TV shows. Um, while in, in the stands. Notepad. Yeah, while in the stands, while you know, thousands of people are screaming around him. He's just like with his notepad, you know, um, has no idea what's going on. And, and still to this day, doesn't really have any idea what's going on. But um, I saw it as an opportunity to, to also, it also lends insight into Steve Kerr as a person, because Steve has been incredibly supportive, uh, you know, recognized very early on that Matthew was not a sports guy um, and had other interests and has been um, very encouraging, sent him to like an art school in San Diego, rather than the, the sports school where the two other kids went you know, got him involved in musical theater at a young age, um, you know, took him to late night screenings of Scream, which Matthew still considers his favorite movie, which by the way, is a classic. I tried, I'm going to watch it before Halloween. It's one of my faves. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so it was just uh, trying to shed some insight on, on Steve Kerr as a parent. A, as a lot a, of jock, a lot of quote unquote, jock dads, right? A lot of former athletes who have kids want their kids to be athletes, right? That's what they know. That's how they want to raise their kids because that's the lifestyle that they had growing up and they know how to sort of cater their kids' lives to that and their schedules and all that stuff. And you're right. The fact that Steve was like, you know what? You're not into it. That's fine. You know, you're, I'm, a, I'm the greatest three-point shooting player of all time, but you don't care. And that's okay. Um, you know, I won a bunch of titles with Michael Jordan. You could care less and that's okay. Uh, and, and it's cool for him to have, you, you tell the story in that you, there's an anecdote in, in the article you wrote about how he stayed up, you know, at midnight to go to scream and everything like that. And he's kind of nodding off in the movie theater and he's like, but he did it to be there with his kid. And, and like I said, you have a lot of parents, I think that would try to say, you know what? No, we're an athlete family. Like we're a family of athletes. You're going to play something. And he's like, no, he doesn't want to do it. That's great. And I think that's really cool. Uh, screaming of little sibling syndrome, by the way, Matthew Kerr. I mean, just like, hey, everybody's doing this, so I'm going to go my own way. I mean, my, my little brother is the youngest of three uh, uh, siblings, and he's the same way. He's just like, you know what? Everybody's doing this. I'm going the other way. I'm doing my own thing. 100% younger. You're an only child, so you want to know. But, oh, no, you're not no, an only child. You're a sister. Child. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn, man. I just got rid of your sister. <laughs> You're, but you're a younger sibling, but it's different when yeah. you're younger two than you are three. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and, and she was, but we, she was. I definitely like wanted to carve out my own land. You know, my sister was an actor yeah. and I did actually act growing up, but I always knew that that wasn't going to be my long-term right. thing. Right. Yeah. So we all try to carve out our own land. Um, all right. Really quick. The Tuesday trivia. Um, here we go. I've only got one for you. Oh, come on, man. I only got one for you. Well, I was, I was honestly, I was unprepared. Uh, all right. Okay. Ready? All right. Quindary Weatherspoon. <laughs> oh, the guy they just signed. Yeah. Mississippi State. There you go. You got it. Uh, 
They're going to sign him, like, presumably, to an Exhibit 10 for a training camp. They just released um, Langston Galloway, Wave Langston Galloway. So they're going to bring in – the late second-round pick. Weathersmith, um, yeah. I think by the Spurs, yeah. Yep, by San Antonio. Uh, 25 years old, appeared in th- – I'm just reading from the press release here. Appeared in 31 games for the Spurs over the last couple of seasons. He averaged 1.9 points in 6.4 minutes per game. So He'll that's be a fun a- Santa Cruz guy. He's, he's signing one of those exhibit tens where he'll get yep. waved and play in Santa Cruz and be a go-to option in Santa Cruz. And I'm, I'm definitely going to go to some games in Santa Cruz. So I'll see him. All right. And I'm sure we'll see a little bit more of you on the show, Connor. Uh, thanks so much for jumping on people. You know where to follow him. Con underscore Cron on Twitter. Check all out, uh, check out all of his work over at the San Francisco Chronicle. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Warriors on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, comment, leave a five-star rating. Um, and then of course, follow me over at WC Goldberg on Twitter. That's it. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Connor, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you.